David Brent Johnson here with you on a Thursday afternoon, a day when I just about always feature Indiana jazz in one way or another. And coming up later on, we'll have another episode of the Uncle Dan and Sophie Jam featuring Indiana writer Dan Wakefield and saxophonist Sophie Fott uh, talking about the great Indiana songwriter Cole Porter. But right now, I want to welcome a special guest to the program. Vibraphonist Dick Sisto, welcome to Just You and Me. Thank you, David. It's great to be here. Well, it's so cool to have you on this show. You live kind of down in the southeastern part of the state. Right. Have a long history in this Kentuckiana, area. they call Kentuckiana, it Kentuckiana, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, uh, and so you're kind of close to the Louisville scene. The Louisville you, scene, yeah, that's, our, that's our scene, yeah, just across the river. But you still come up to Bloomington from time to time. I know. I do. I always have. Yeah. I saw you play at Bears Place many years ago, and then you were just in town today to do a clinic mm-hmm. at the IU School of Music. That's right, for my friend Steve Houghton, who I subbed for when he was on sabbatical. So I do know IU a bit, and uh, it's always great to be here. And so you you have uh, you continue to be involved in a lot of musical projects. We're going to be hearing from several of your CDs in mm-hmm. the first half of the show today. How did the clinic go today? Excellent. You know, students, this this is one of the meccas of jazz uh, uh, education, IU. There's only three that, there were originally absolutely three, and still they're pretty much at the top, Berkeley, IU, and North Texas. Yeah. And uh, all still doing well. That is kind of, you're right, that's kind of the big three, isn't the big it, of jazz three. education? Definitely. Well, and, and certainly in the case of, of those colleges all have a long history of it at this point, A long too. history. Yeah. New York's got a lot going on now, but they're all newer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we go back to the 60s. I was in, I graduated high school in 63, mm-hmm. and I can mention names of jazz musicians you'd know mm-hmm. if you're into jazz, because they're the older names, some still around. Mm-hmm. Rather, now, the new thing, of course, a lot of young new musicians coming up through other schools, through jazz education, which is everywhere, but it's because of places like IU and David Baker that right. it all started. Right, right. So you you definitely have a, a long connection with this particular community in this particular area. But you, you did you grow up in Chicago? Is that yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Born and raised in Chicago. And um, ended up going to Northwestern. I wasn't a music major, though. But... Um, Chicago was where, in fact, I didn't finish at Northwestern because I started playing up there. My first group was with a guy named Maurice White. He was a drummer at the time. And we started a quartet called the Quartet Four. Wait, with the Maurice White? That's right. That's <laughs> he of Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, yes. fame? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I knew he was kind of involved with some of the underground jazz stuff in Chicago before Earth, Wind, and Fire, but I don't yeah. think I realized that you guys had crossed paths. Well, in college, you know, and um, he had a group as a freshman. I had a group coming out of North. Well, I was at Northwestern, but anyhow, it was called the Jazz Tet, and we met, and um, we were trying to uh, crossover on some things. We did a recording of... Uh, I think I'm going out of my head before Wes did it. Wow. And, you know, it was Maurice's idea, who's, as we know, had he, he had some great ideas. Yeah, and he did. was ahead yeah. of his time. Yeah. Yeah, he, had, he used to say, I'm going to start a, a band. I'll have a million-dollar bus in it. Okay, Maurice, you go ahead, man. And sure enough, <laughs> but he did more. And he kept a lot of the, his Chicago guys in that first band. Oh, cool. You know, Don Myrick, Louis cool. Satterfield, all those cats were from Chicago. So how did you land? How did you end up landing in the Kentuckiana part of the country? That's a long story. We'll never get to any music. <laughs> <Okay. if> we, <laughs> well, but well, I did come down, and I will mention one name. I went down and played a gig in the '60s at a club there that people were playing from out of town called 180 Washington. And when I got off a set, the club owner said to me, "That monk was in here again." And I said, "Really? You mean Merton?" 
I had started reading reading Thomas Merton in college. Right. And I was an ex-Catholic, you know, or I'd say a Merton Catholic, if you know what that uh-huh. means. Oh, yeah. So more open, right. you know, a Catholic with little c. And uh, so he said, yeah, he was here again. He's a jazz fan. And uh, that's when I met Merton. And you, you got... did a Merton show. About oh, it. yeah. Well, we will talk a little bit more about that, too. But you're right. We should probably get to some of the some of your music first. And, and one of the things we wanted to uh, to play was from your album, American Love Song. It's my you... first first release. Yeah. Right. And the pianist on this date was Fred Hirsch. And actually, how appropriate. We're going to hear a Cole Porter rendition. Why did you single out this particular performance when I asked you? If uh, because that, you know, got, got me going. And Fred came through with his trio, which I really loved. I actually was doing radio at the same time. Right, yeah. And at the public radio down there. But I, I brought him in. I helped organize that with his trio because he kind of inspired me. Uh, you know, you listen to all the greats. I used to go here, you name it, everybody, from Count Basie and Duke Ellington on Sundays at the Blue Note for two bucks. And sit in the peanut gallery and, or go to nightclubs and hear Miles Davis Quintet or Horace Silver, you know, Oscar Peterson, Bill Evans. Those were the days in yeah. Chicago. Oh, yeah. And I heard them all live. So I had it in my blood. And I thought to myself, man, I'm, I'm trying to sound at something like them. How could I possibly do it? It's going to be rough, you know. And then I heard a trio thing that Fred put out. And he had such a way of doing it. He kind of inspired me, you know. There's another way. There's your own individual voice, which he has. He came to town, and we hooked up after he did the concert. He said, you know, we were playing. He said, why don't we record with the trio while we're here? I said, really? You know. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. So there was a good, uh, uh, you know, a studio. And the chemistry was great. And this record actually did really well. And I was offered it, and I was on Atlantic Records uh, roster. Wow. Yeah. Never did anything there. All the people left there because Atlantic, those were the time when they were going out of business. Oh, okay. You know, into the 70s when I was. Okay. So. That being said, the music stands for itself, you know, if it if it holds up, and I love this record. So this is one people liked because I love Cole Porter yeah. every time we say goodbye. All right. Dick Sisto on Just You and Me. Thank you. 
Music from my guest on the program today, vibraphonist Dick Sisto, doing Cole Porter's Every Time We Say Goodbye from his album American Love Song, joined there by Fred Hirsch on piano. And then Drew Gress is a bassist, right? I I know the name, and Tom Rainey on drums. That's his original trio. That's that's what I thought. And they got a Grammy nom that year for that, that trio. Um, I, I want to also ask if folks want to, any of your CDs we're going to hear in the next uh, 30 minutes or so, how can folks track down Amazon and iTunes. All right. So they are available. Yeah. Okay. And that's... the best way is to go to my, is to go to my website, dicksisto.com, because if you want a CD, not many people do, I can get you one. You I just know. get it directly from me, but otherwise Amazon That's and how I got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went through your website. Yeah. Uh, well, great to hear that music. And uh, y- yeah, so we were talking a little bit about how you landed in the southeastern corner of the state and uh, um, and and your experiences with I, I should explain to anybody who isn't familiar with Thomas Merton he was a monk and a writer uh, who went into the Gethsemane Abbey in Kentucky in 1941 and then published a spiritual memoir a few years later called The Seven Story Mountain he was still a, quite a young man when it came out but it found tremendous success when it came out in the late 40s and Merton was kind of cast in the strange role of being a celebrity monk. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he, he had been an aspiring writer who thought he was leaving that all behind. Mm-hmm. Then he entered Gethsemane, wrote this memoir, and it, it did really well. And, and he was encouraged to continue writing and spent the next 20 years uh, at Gethsemane uh, working and writing and interacting with a lot of folks and then uh, died in a really strange accident while he was overseas in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, very shocking death uh, at the age of— Literally. Of, well, yeah, I'm sorry. No yeah. pun intended. Um, he was uh, at the age of 53. And, and and since then has become an even become more influential, I think, than That's he was right. in his lifetime. I mean, when Pope Francis visited America for the first time, he named four Americans that he thought were exemplary Americans, and Thomas Merton was That's one right. of them. Along with uh, Dorothy Day and Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then Dick, you you knew Merton because he was a jazz fan, and he used to come right. and listen to you play in the clubs in Louisville. That's right. And we also spiritually uh, had corresponded. Then I, when I did the gig in Louisville, I realized he was close by. I just moved down there. Plus, I could play all the time. It was a real happening little place. Right. I wanted to get out of Chicago. I'd lived there all my life. Did that, and I would visit Merton at the Hermitage and visit him and talk. And, and it was just an amazing time. And then, of course, he died in 68. That's when I moved out to California. But um, the experience was such that it, it, it set me on a life course of, of spirituality uh, in, in the best sense of the word. And uh, he is now inspiring so many people that I did uh, the music for his. Uh, it was a documentary that was on PBS. It's been all over the world right now. It's been playing everywhere. It's a really good documentary called Soul Searching and uh, the the Spiritual Life of Thomas Merton. And I wrote the music because he loved jazz. And some of the music that I put on there, I put together with some meanderings and some memories and some musings of my time with Merton. And we've been doing it at churches from Chicago to Asheville, North Carolina, with some really good musicians. And people really love it. We combine both. And it's uh, in churches. Well, well, let's listen to some music now from this album uh, that you did, the music from the documentary right. by Thomas Merton. It's called Soul Searching. It leads off with a tune you wrote called Boppy. Yeah. And what, what inspired you to 
start off the album with this particular piece. Thank you for the question, because that was one of the first ones I wrote, because when he was in New York before he joined the monastery, he was kind of a beatnik. He went to Columbia. He was the intelligentsia with the, you know, the guys that would hang out, poetry and everything, and some very interesting people. And they loved jazz. But he was bopping around, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, he, was. He, was, he was having a good time. <laughs> he was smoking, was. drinking, the ladies and everything. <laughs> and so I wrote Boppy. All right. This is, so this is sort of the prelude before the monastery. Right. Right. Okay. Dick Sisto and Boppy from his soundtrack. This is with Bobby Broom on guitar. Okay, great. Dick Sisto on Just You and Me. <laughs> Thank you. 
from my guest on the program today, vibraphonist Dick Sisto. That was his composition, Boppy, with Bobby Broom on guitar. Denessa went on bass, Mike Hyman on drums. From the album Soul Searching, music that Dick Sisto wrote for a documentary about the life of Thomas Merton, the monk and writer who was a friend of Dick's and also uh, quite a jazz fan. And if folks are interested in learning more about that, uh, there's a nightlight show I did with Dick on it as a guest uh, at, on our website at indianapublicmedia.org slash Nightlights. You go there and you can learn a lot more um, about the life of Thomas Merton and his his passion for jazz. It really was a passion, wasn't yep, it, Dick? It was. I mean, he he was when he was seeing you in the clubs in Louisville. Sometimes he was kind of like a wall, right? From the he was always a wall <laughs> if he was out of the monastery, except if he was going to a doctor. But, but, or, but, yeah, yeah, some of his doctor visits kind of ended up being right. longer they, than they longer, were. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I love that about him that he was sort of you know he was almost yeah. like a kid at school in a yeah. way. Still, he had that in him where he's like, oh, I'm gonna, I might as well go see some jazz while I'm That's in town. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and that he stayed so open to. Uh, you know, that he had his first acquaintance with jazz had been as a very young man in New York in the 1930s and listening to Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington and That's right. all the greats of that era. And then he was in the monastery for a while and didn't get to really hear much music. But by the time he's moves into the Hermitage mm-hmm. in 65 and gets a record player, yeah. he's able to he's able to start hearing some things. And one of the records he buys, he talks about in his journal, is John Coltrane's Ascension. <laughs> Which is a <laughs> mind-blowing record. I yeah. mean, that is the record where he's got about eight guys playing, and like it's almost like Ornette Coleman's free jazz record. Yeah. They're playing some really intense music. Yeah, even more so. Yeah, it's the, not like he's just yeah. doing a nice ballad. No. He's, he's They're roaring, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and the fact that he, he described it as shattering in his yeah. journal, and obviously was quite impressed by it. Yes, yeah. Well, he knew the depth of the musician he was dealing with. Coltrane, you had to believe, given what he did, he's done before, became a master of straight ahead yeah. bebop and post-bop. But then he keeps on going. Right. And this is his inspiration. So Merton's open to it. And I think that was, I think if I remember from Merton's journal, the other record he'd bought that day was Bob Dylan's John Wesley Harding. Yep. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, a yeah. pretty good coupling Joan of things. Joan Baez visited him in yeah, the, in the yeah. uh, Hermitage. He's, he was very interested in what was going on musically, and, and certainly he has such an artistic spirit. I think that's why a lot of people uh, find continue to find inspiration from him today was that he was – um, he was not just somebody who was just praying very stoically, and no. and he he was such an open, generous, vital person. And he was influenced very much by what was happening in the times. Right. So civil rights, you know, the Vietnam War. He was 
really he was a spokesperson for all of that. Yeah. And uh, the music was an expression of that during those times, Dylan and Coltrane, you know. Now, he he died in Asia in December of 1968. How mm-hmm. did you hear about it? We just all heard. He had been given permission by his abbot to attend a monastic meeting and be one of the speakers. And in, and in, in so doing, he was also going to visit Eastern people. They gave him, they extended his thing. So he, he did what he wanted to do all his life. Meet some of the people from the Buddhist community, Hindus, uh, but practitioners, people who were out there uh, living in the mountains, teaching in ashrams. And he did all this. And it was a great trip. And if you haven't read the Asian Journal, that's my favorite journal. He wrote a lot. He's probably his best writing is journals. A lot mm-hmm. of people say that. I, yeah. The Asian yeah. Journal is dynamite. Yeah, it's it's amazing to read. There's seven volumes of his journals in all. And uh, I think I've read them all now. Um, and uh, yeah, the the journey that he undertook across that that 27 year period mm-hmm. is 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 just uh, so enlightening to read and i know uh from other folks i've talked to and things i've read that it was just an absolute shock to people when he uh passed away what do you think has been you've kind of spoken to about this i guess already but but how how in what ways did merton influence you as a jazz musician well he influenced me spiritually so uh, i was raised catholic and he really kind of uh, taught me that uh, to be a real Catholic, you can have an open mind. That's what the word means. Mm-hmm. And he liked that universality. But he was also Christian, but he became a practitioner of Buddhism, really, and other uh, Taoism. Uh, he wrote books on all of it because uh, we know now that we're all on the same planet and we basically all have the same needs we all made up the same. I mean, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. Right. Uh, and it's taken us a long time to get there. We're still not there. We're still fighting the same wars. Yeah. We're still having the same problems uh, with religious intolerance. How could that be? We're all humans, and our planet is shrinking. Our planet's in trouble. Everything he spoke to, of course, is coming true. We know that. And... Um, just going to have to keep speaking the truth till, till it no longer is either necessary to be heard or it's too late. I don't know what's going to happen. No one does. Well, you continue to uh, perform music. Uh, I know you lead retreats. You teach. You do. You also are a radio host. Uh, yeah. You clearly are still engaged very much in the whole process of. Uh, of, of furthering life, and in fact, right. one, one of the CDs that you have out uh, as a, a group that involves a number of other Indiana-related people is called Spirit of Life Quartet. Yep. Uh, this was a recording you made with Steve Ali on piano, Jeremy Allen, who teaches mm-hmm. here at the at uh, Jacobs School of Music, and Jason Tiemann, who was around this area for a yep. long time, has since moved on, on drums. And you guys put out a CD that is... Uh, is very much kind of, a, it's called The Spiritual Music of Coltrane, Ellington, and Strayhorn. Uh, and this this was done just several years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, was this something that you had in mind as wanting to do for quite a while? This was a particular project for us, and through it, we started playing spiritual concerts in churches, jazz, which Merton loved the idea of, loved to listen to. Duke Ellington was one of the first to do it. Many others have done it. Right, yeah. Ellington had his three sacred concerts, and in fact, the piece we're about to hear comes from one of them. I, right. I think the second one. Yeah. Um, 
and it's called Heaven. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember if this was a – I think it was a vocal feature. It had words at one time and Johnny Hodges made – I, I kind of lost track. I've got mm-hmm. so much Ellington in my head. Yeah. <laughs> was Harry Carney on this one? Yeah, Johnny right. Hodges. Uh, but it's a beautiful tune and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy you chose this one as yeah. one for us to listen to today. So let's listen to uh, the Spirit of Life Quartet with my guest uh, Dick Sisto on vibraphone uh, doing Duke Ellington's Heaven on Just You and Me. Thank you. 
music from my guest on the program today, Duke Ellington's Heaven. Dick Sisto on vibes, Steve Ali on piano, Jeremy Allen on bass, Jason Tiemann on drums. Uh, the album's called Spirit of Life Quartet, plays the spiritual music of Coltrane, Ellington, and Strayhorn, uh, and is available uh, through Amazon or on your website is DickSisto.com. Yep, is that correct, Dick? That's it. Yeah, that was a really lovely rendition of uh, Duke Ellington's Heaven. And I, I love hearing sacred jazz or spiritual jazz maybe is a better term yes. for it. Uh, and it's great that you are, are are doing that. I was just speaking with a gentleman yesterday who was a pastor at a local church here mm-hmm. in Bloomington who wants to start having – Jazz services yep. of some kind. Why do you think jazz does seem to? I mean, back in the '60s when Ellington was doing it, it was super controversial. Like, oh, you're bringing the music of the brothels into yes. the. And now there's a completely different feeling about it, and people feel like actually it's a really appropriate kind of music. And why do you think that is? It is depending on the type of jazz that is brought in. Obviously, there's music, you know, uh, the swing music out of the 30s and 40s. It, 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 in modern jazz, and when you get to Coltrane, Miles Davis, and, Duke, and later Duke, and early Duke, really, it comes from gospel from the churches mm-hmm. originally. If you bring that element into it, plus the commitment, uh, serious jazz musicians are into their music like it's a religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. for sure. Yeah, and the ones that write music that comes from a deep part of themselves often has to do with the spiritual search. It's a very similar search, so that's the way that works. Well, I think we have time for uh, one more piece, okay. and it's something that you wrote appropriately yeah. enough. And it's the same quartet that you just heard. We've had a lot of hours playing together. That's why it, it we do you know. And the more time you put into this, the better it sounds. Uh, if you're working with good musicians like these guys. So we did this. This is our most recent recording, and it's called No Time Like Now, which is has a double meaning. Now is the time that music happens. It's always in the now, in the moment. It's, you know, it could be right. one set, one day, one day. The, when it's really happening, it's in the now. But also it's about the now, the kind of chaotic thing that we're all, the, the, the speed of life. Uh, it still has beauty. It's a mixture of stuff. Starts out with a great solo by Jeremy Allen because he's got the bass line. He starts out with yeah. an unusual bass line. And then we all solo to advantage, I thought, in this tune. All right. Well, let's check it out. Dick Sisto and Jeremy Allen. Also, uh, Steve Ali and Jason Tiemann doing Dick Sisto's composition, No Time Like Now on Just You and Me.
Vibraphonist Dick Sisto, his composition No Time Like Now from the album Earth Tones, Steve Ali on piano, Jeremy Allen on bass, Jason Tiemann on drums, available through Amazon or also through DickSisto.com. And Dick, thank you so much for taking some time out to stop by the show today after the clinic. It's been a joy to have you on, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. 